Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Appreciate that so much. And I pray that as we uh, leave this place today, that we might be saying that same thing. How great thou art. How great is our God. And that we might uh, leave worshiping. I'm reminded often that worship is maybe our greatest weapon against the, the weariness that we can feel in the midst of crazy times. And uh, so grateful uh, for all of you being here uh, with us today. So grateful for uh, those of you that are joining us in our outside seating, those of you that have uh, gathered uh, in vehicles, and those of you that uh, are watching online this morning. Just appreciate our uh, volunteers that serve so faithfully just to set up chairs, to uh, to set up cameras that, that we're able to watch through, to set up uh, just audiovisual equipment. It's, it's been truly a, just an incredible blessing, grateful for uh, the worship uh, team that, that led this morning. And uh, just the the midst of all the, the the time that we've been in has been filled with so many blessings. And as I've been reading uh, over and over the first chapter of First Peter, I want to start out with just a kind of a heartbreaking story that I read about. There was a headline in the news that, and it's been a season back, but it said, homeless man who didn't know he was a millionaire is found dead before he could be told about his fortune. Says the body of an heir to $300 million was discovered frozen to death under a railway bridge. And just to think about that, his name was Timothy Henry Gray, and it says his body was discovered by children sledding under an overpass in Evanston, Wyoming. And I was looking this morning, and I think this was in 1950-something, there was a headline that said this. It said, search Skid Row flop houses for an heir to a British fortune. And there was another man that was homeless that had millions of dollars that he was heir to that they searched for high and low, and, and he died without ever knowing who he really was. And I'm afraid so many times in... The Christian walk that there are believers that have been saved by the grace of God and live their lives and they die without ever really understanding who they really are. And as we jump in this morning, I want to remind you in week one, we said that our identity in Christ rests in who we are in Christ. And when our identity is in Christ, it shapes how we see the world. I want you to join with me in 1 Peter chapter number 1. I want to start back with the verse that we looked at last week. We looked at verse 3, and it's going to kind of lead us into this time. Uh, and, and we're just going to jump in uh, in these moments. But 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from 
the dead. Now, as we looked at week one, it reminded of, of who we were. He said that we were these uh, elect exiles, right? That we're in a land uh, maybe that's uh, far from home. And Peter was writing to uh, these that had been dispersed and had been scattered. And we recognized that they had been scattered on purpose. Some of you might say, you know what? Hey, I don't really uh, see a lot of people in my class that know Jesus. It doesn't seem like there's anybody uh, around me at work that has a relationship with Jesus Christ. It seems like I find myself in the midst of a, of a crazy dark place. I want to tell you that uh, maybe that's good news right in the midst of things because you uh, have a message of hope for this world, right? We find ourselves scattered. We find ourselves uh, in a place that is far from home. We recognize we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but I want to remind you that you are loved by the Father. And because of his great love in his mercy, we have been born again into a living hope. It's made possible by loving Father, and I, I want to remind you, it's been paid for in the past, and it is powerful in the present, and it promises eternity. It promises uh, wonderful things, and all this rests in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, he says, so we've been born again into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance. Now, this is some incredible news that we're going to see. This is going to be a day filled with good news, bad news, good news. So and he says there's this, this inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Can I tell you this morning, we, we are loved and we have a living hope and we have a lasting inheritance. We have a lasting inheritance. Inheritance. Scripture says that it's imperishable, that it's undefiled, and it will not fade away. Now, this this word imperishable, we think about that as as maybe in foods or different things are there, but it's this picture of something that can't break down. It's this picture of something that's not impacted by death. It's not impacted by decay. It's that kind of picture. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we cleaned out our fridge, and and I, I live in the middle of the woods, and so when you clean out your fridge, you take away. I don't know if anybody's ever like. Like chicken expire, or you did some of those kind of things. Those kind of things can happen. And so my wife had had done a fantastic job of making sure that we all stay healthy by throwing away expired things. She's very good at that, and 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 fairly close to the date, right? And no matter what it is, she's pretty serious about. Uh, making sure those things are there. And when it comes to things like chicken, things like that, it's like you want to get rid of those things pretty quick. And if you don't, you begin to smell them. Well, when you live in the middle of the woods, you also have this tendency to say, you know what, I probably don't want to put all those things like in the back of my truck at night because you'll find all kind of little critters like raccoons, bears. We've had all those kind of things that come and hang out and enjoy to eat those things that we might clean out. So I had this idea. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll take this bag and I'll seal it up really good. And so I put it inside another bag, which was a great idea. And I put it inside one of those big black heavy bags because the worst thing ever, I don't know if any of you men ever haul off. I mean, I hope you all haul off trash because it's like one of the ways we serve our wives. We're men. It's part of the, it's like it says we love our wives like Christ loved the church. And we haul off the trash and we do things like that. That's what it says. And so so I hope you do that kind of stuff. And, and, and so when I haul off trash, sometimes my, I, sometimes those bags just aren't strong enough. And there's nothing worse than getting a big bag of trash and getting to the dumpster and picking it up and then everything coming out at the dumpster. And so there's like 47 people behind you, and you've got to be picking up that stuff. And so you want to be careful of that. So I said, I'm going to make sure I, I don't have that happen. It actually happened yesterday. Whole different story. But it, it really did. I'm, I'm, I'm dumping trash, and, and all of it's out there. And so you pick it up. But anyway... I said, I'm going to do smart. I'm smart because I, I, I thought I'm going to put this thing in the basement so I don't have to pick it up. So I put it in the basement. Well, I had this broad idea. I guess it was yesterday or maybe the day before that uh, I was going to work on something and I opened my basement door 
and my big dog was out, and I was just kind of working, and I forgot that I had the basement door open because, you know, it's easy to forget. And I come back, and throughout my whole basement is this expired chicken from a few weeks ago and our whole fridge worth of stuff. And it had been, it was not imperishable. I want you to understand it. it you could smell it for a long way, right? It, it was in that moment, and I was mad at the dog, and, and I was mad at everything, right, myself. I was doing all those kind of things, but the Scripture says that we have an inheritance that doesn't break down, that doesn't decay, and it goes on to say that there's this picture of it being undefiled. It's unstained by evil. It's, uh, uh, it doesn't get defiled by the things of this world, and it's unfading. It doesn't lose quality or beauty, right? I, I, maybe there's some people that are watching, and maybe you're engaged, and you're young, and you're saying, you know what? I, I just look at him, and he's so cute. He's not going to be cute forever, okay? So you want to find somebody with a good character that loves Jesus, okay? That's the most important thing because there, there's going to be some things happen right over time. I, I remember that my hair, I thought it was imperishable and undefiled and would never fade away. But I want you to know that it's gone, right? It, it's, it's, it's left. It turned gray. It turned loose. It turned all kind of different ways. And there's this thought of this inheritance that we have in heaven that's unperishable, undefiled, that, that it's never going to fade away. But we know that in this world, everything fades away. Our homes get weary. Our bodies get weary. Uh, I, I heard people say, you know what? I had to retire just so I could make it to all the doctor's appointments. Like there's only, like there's no way I could work and make all these doctor's appointments. There's got to be maintenance all the time on these old bodies. The fact is, the scripture says that our flesh is not getting better, right? It says that the outward man is, is perishing, right? That's what's happening in our bodies. But it says the inward man is being renewed day by day. Day. And, and can I remind you that while all those other things get weary, that we have a God who never gets weary. We have a God who never uh, gets weary, ever, 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 never gets distracted, never gets discouraged. And, and he says that we have an inheritance. We've been born again into a living hope and into an inheritance undefiled uh, in heaven, right? And the Bible says that it's, that it's reserved in heaven. I, I love this world, uh, this word reserved, right? The world has a hope that the circumstances that we're in are going to change. That's really what, when the world defines the word hope, they say, you know what? I believe that these circumstances that we're walking through, I have hope that they're going to change. But I want to remind you that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a hope in something that no circumstances will change. And, and an inheritance is only as good as the one who is leaving it for you. Because see, what they own is all there really is to pass down. And sometimes that may be discouraging, right? Sometimes there may be nothing to leave. But I want to ask you this morning, what is there for us to be an heir to? Romans 8 says this in verse 16 and 17. It says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may be glorified with him. Now, this word heirs, it's this picture of those who would receive uh, their allotted amount or their allotted possession by the right of sonship. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, can I remind you this morning that we've been adopted into the family of God, and the Scripture teaches us that what belongs to Jesus. This ought to this ought to be enough, like to just say, you know what, I, I I've been 
I've been blessed this morning just to be reminded of this. What belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Scripture says in Hebrews 1, In the last days he has spoken to us in his Son, who he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Galatians 4 says, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Now it says that this is reserved in heaven. Some of your translations may say that it's kept in heaven. Can I tell you, there's no storm that's going to scatter it. There's no dog that's going to tear it up. There's no nothing that can, uh, uh, there, there's no wind that's going to tear it down. We've seen hurricanes all over. There's no time that's going to cause it to fade away. None of those things. And it's this picture, this word reserved. If you look in the Greek, it's this military term. It's this picture uh, of being guarded. And it says that there's this inheritance that has been given to us in his mercy. We've been born again into a living hope, into an inheritance. And this inheritance has been given to us, not because we're good, not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, but in his mercy and, and in his grace, it's not based on my performance. Sometimes we think about, you know, I've seen families go through difficult times when someone's passed away and they're trying to figure out this inheritance thing. They're trying to figure out, hey, you know what? I took care of them a lot more. I did this. I did that. And I, I was the good son. I was the good son. I should get. And so there's all those kind of things. But I want you to know that my inheritance is not based on the fact uh, of, of my performance, but my inheritance is based on my position in Jesus Christ and that, I, that this, this inheritance is kept in heaven, guarded. And let's see how we're guarded. Look at verse 5. It says that, so if we go back to verse 4, and then we're going to jump right in. He says that, that we have this inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And then he goes on, and he's talking about us, and he says, who? So that's you. So we, we have this We've been born again into a living hope. We've been transformed by the grace of God. We've been saved. There's an inheritance that's being kept uh, for us. And as we await that inheritance, it says there's something about us. And it says we are protected by what? This is awesome, right? Now, look at this. He says we're protected by the power of God. Now, why is that? How does that happen? How did we end up in this place? He said we're protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation, verse 5, ready to be revealed in the last Time. We're protected by the power of God. That's good news today, church. That's good news. You know, on Monday night, my wife heard something outside. So not only are you as men uh, responsible for emptying the garbage, okay? So you can just write that down in the notes, ladies, that like men, we, we and, then, and then we can, as men, delegate that to our children. Um, there's all kinds of ways that this is, can work out, but you can put that in your notes. That's the one thing that we can do. So we take the garbage. Uh, the other thing that we do is, is we're protectors, right? That's one of the things that we're supposed to be. And so in the midst of that, I, I don't know about you, but I don't know if, if any men in here have ever been awoken from sleep by their precious uh, children or wife because they've heard something. Anybody, anybody have that happen like you're in the middle of the night and all of a sudden you hear something? Maybe you ladies hear something outside. There's something that is going on. Anybody have that happen, right? You hear something and you nudge your husband who's sleeping so good, so good in that moment. And you say something like this. I think there's something outside. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff outside, honey. I'm, it's like the woods. Um, but... I heard something out there. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, 
And, and in that moment, you've got to think about this because what I've tried to do is just go back to sleep. But that doesn't work, okay? So that's not, that doesn't end the problem because once you hear one thing, no matter what's going on, you're going to hear something else, right? So in that moment, she says, hey, I, I hear something outside. And I said, well, you, you want me to check? And, and of course, the answer is, is yes. And so we're safe in our, our, our home. And somehow, uh, us men, we go out with a, a, a nine millimeter in our underwear. That's how that happens. So if you ever, and y'all have done it before, right? Because it's just, it's the middle of the night. Don't come to my house in the middle of the night, like, like without calling, okay? Because my wife's going to hear you. It's, and it's, it's just going to happen. So here we are. There's this, this dynamic. There's something outside. And as a man, it's my responsibility to make sure everything's okay. But I'm not taking time to get dressed because my main important thing is I'm ready to go back to sleep. But I'm going to go outside and check this thing. And I'm going to come back and go to sleep because that's my job, right? And, and I'm a, a job of a father, right, to protect my children in my house. And they can sleep good at night because they know that if something comes toward them, if there's something that's happening, that they're protected by a loving Father. But can I remind you that, that when we read this word, we are protected. Our salvation is kept by a loving Father. It's an interesting word. It's in the Greek. It's passive and it's present tense, which is very uh, neat. And it gives this picture that, that it's something that's happening right now in a continual basis and that we have a God who is protecting us, who is walking with us, who's with us in every moment continually. Uh, protecting us through faith, keeping secure those who are in Christ for a salvation, Scripture says, to be ready to be revealed. Now, what does that, what does that mean, like ready to be revealed? Because some of you are saying, you know what, you told us last week that if you've been born again into a living hope, right, that if you've uh, passed from death to life, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, repented of your sin, and, and been saved by grace, that you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. And now you're saying that you're protected for a salvation that's to be revealed. What in the world is that talking about? You may have heard it said sometimes that I am saved, I'm being saved, and one day I will be saved. And I want to remind you today that I am saved because of uh, what Jesus did on the cross, and by faith trusting in here, I, his uh, grace and his forgiveness, I am saved today. My past is forgiven. That's good news today. I'm so grateful that my past is forgiven, and I am so grateful that today I am being saved, and that God is working in my life every single day to conform me to the image of his son through everything that is going on in my life. And I'm so thankful that because I'm not there yet, right? But I know that one day I'm going to be saved and Jesus is going to be re returning. And when he does, I want you to understand all will be made new. And we think about this gospel and we think about this life that we live in where there's an alreadyness to it, right? We've been saved. We're being saved and we will be saved. First John chapter three says, beloved, now we are children isn't that good news to be children of God? And it says, and it's not appeared yet as to what we will be. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him. And I long for that day, right? When the troubles of this world are no longer there, where the struggles that we have in the flesh, right, are no longer uh, there. And Scripture says that we'll see him just as he is, right? And our inheritance is Christ, and we will see him just as he is. And then 
Peter says this in verse 6. He says, this has been some incredible news. You've been born again into an inheritance undefiled, uh, that, that it's imperishable, undefiled, that it's kept in heaven for you, who are guarded, who God is protecting continually, who is walking with you. And he says, because of this, you greatly rejoice. In verse 6, he says, in this, you greatly rejoice. That's exciting. We should be ecstatic because in Christ, all this is who we are and what is happening in our lives, and it says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though, so here's some bad news, so we can rejoice that we are in Christ, and we have this inheritance, the inheritance that we sung about, but he says, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. You know, I think about that word, various trials. It's like these diverse trials, this this picture of a bunch of Trials. So we're in this life, we're loved by the Father, we're uh, in, a, in a place where we've been born again into a living hope, we have a lasting inheritance, but man, we got a lot of trials. Anybody notice that? Not just, not just one or two, not just like every now and then that we walk through those, we have a lot of trials. He said various trials, and, and these trials aren't to make us, and it's real easy for us to think about trials because everybody's going through them, and when we think about these diverse trials and we hear about trials that maybe other people are walking through, it's very easy for me, it's very easy for all of us to have this perspective that all of a sudden we begin to compare trials. I don't know if you've ever done that, but somebody says, you know, hey, I'm walking through a difficult time. And you begin to compare your trials to their trials. But that was never the intention. It wasn't this picture of saying, hey, we're walking through various trials so we could compare them. But we could have compassion and we could love one another in the midst of those. And we are all walking through various trials, different trials. We're, we're walking in a season where, where there's been isolation that we face, where we've been uh, trying to navigate the difficulties of this uh, dynamic that we live in. There's some of you that... In the midst of that, it just seems like sometimes this various trials, it may not be just this one big trial. Some of you may be walking through just this one giant thing that's kind of weighing down, but many times it's like it just seems like everywhere you turn, there's something else. I don't know if you ever ever feel like that, but man, it just seems like we know we have this expectation of what's to come, but it seems like in the midst of this life that we're facing just one thing after another. But there's good news that is in that. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. So there's joy, but he says, even though now for a, I like these words, for a little while. He says, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. A little while. So there's a season, there's a time there's a there's there's a a fixed place that some of that is in, and some of you are saying, "Well, how long is that going to be?" Right? Because that's a question that comes to our mind. If we know these trials are for a little while, how long is a little while? Maybe life, right? We're going to face some of those things until Jesus comes back at some level, and we're going to have times in our life that are filled with trials and filled with difficulty and filled with these kind of things. But the the trials are short term. And the joy is eternal. So there's this 
dynamic that we have a lot of trials. They last for a little while. In the midst of that, they're suffering. But this is a picture of long-suffering with joy. Now, I think this verse has two things in it that just don't go together. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. Okay, that makes sense. In this, I'm so excited because of all the things that we read about our inheritance, the fact that we've been born again into a living hope, all those things. He says, man, we rejoice in those things. But then he says, you're also distressed. And you're distressed by various trials. And this picture of distress, it's this picture of intense sorrow. It's this picture of, of, of this serious kind of things. But then there's this picture of greatly rejoicing. So there's this, there's this call that we would have intense joy, that we'd have great joy, but that we would have intense suffering. This word for being distressed is the same word that described Jesus as he went to the cross. This is no light Dynamic. He says you're experiencing intense distressed moments, but you're experiencing intense joy. And both of these verbs are in the present tense, which is kind of crazy because what that means is we experience them both at the same time. And that's really the life of a Jesus follower, is a life that has trials and troubles and difficulties and that walks through all kinds of different things that experiences hard times and good times, but we experience this intense joy and this intense distress all at the same time. I, I was thinking about what is an example of how that could work, and, and I don't know of you ladies out there that have um, given birth to a child, but when I think about intense distress, yeah, honk if you can relate, right? There's And, and, and I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, I've, I've been there, like, on, on you know, third, third party, like, it's pretty serious, you know? And some of y'all been there a lot. And I'm thinking, like, when, when, when we had hope, mostly Sherry had her, but when, when we had hope, when we were navigating that moment, um, there, there was this season of labor that went for a long time, and then things were, you know, just kind of like doing, Hope's always been good at flipping, and she she did that. It didn't work out good. And so we had to have this, like, C-section in the middle, but there had been this intense time of of trying to to to, uh, to give birth. And so Cherry had gone through all these pains and all these things, and I was thinking, man, this is the last one. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm thinking, if it was if it was up to us men, it would just be one one per family, right? It's all we could take. You ladies are amazing, but but there's this extreme pain and there's this extreme distress that is going on. But man, there is an extreme and incredible joy that is being experienced even in the same time. And as Christians, you greatly rejoice and you are going through suffering. You're going through difficult times. You've got this joy-filled hope. There's this expectation of all that's to come, but there's this real hurt that you're experiencing. And, you know, Peter wrote to these exiles, and he wrote to these that were suffering and going through so much. And I think he's saying, you know what, only in Christ can we experience this kind of hope in the midst of this kind of hurt. Look at verse 7. Oh, yeah, we're in good shape. 
We've done so good. We just got one verse last week. I'm proud. So hang in there. Verse 7 said, so that the proof of your faith, this is incredible news right here. It says, so, so there's these trials. There's these various trials, all kind of trials, trials from every angle, all kind of different things. We're walking through those. There's difficulty. But then he gives some reason for it. So he says, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says, you're going through all these trials, but that the proof of your faith, and it's more precious than gold, which is perishable. Now we think about gold, and I don't know if you've ever seen anybody work with gold, and you might have seen it on TV, but but in order for gold to be uh, purified or to, or to pull out this pure gold, there's this intense uh, thing that takes place with it, right? It's put under what? All kinds of heat, right? There's incredible heat that is going on. And, and I heard a story about this lady that asked a goldsmith, said, how in the world, you know, there's these thousands of degree heat and you've got this gold uh, that is being heated. And as this gold is heated, uh, when it's heated, there's these imperfections and impurities and all those kind of things that continue to rise to the top of this gold as it's being put under intense heat. It's being put under intense uh, just uh heat that, that is almost unimaginable and as we see that they, they take these this imperfection and they continue to get that out and the lady said how in the world do you know when the gold is pure how is it that you can tell when all that is gone and the goldsmith looked and he said it's when I can look into it and see my reflection and I want you to understand that as we're walking through this life God is doing something in us and through the trials and through the pain and through the difficulty he is conforming us to look like his son and I don't know when that ends I don't know when those things and some of it's not going to end until we're with Jesus but in the meantime I believe that as we walk through those things God is working in our lives, that he is working to make us complete in Christ. And it's my hope that through the things that we walk through in this life, that we'll be sensitive to those things, that we'll say, you know what, I'm not going to get bitter in the midst of these trials. Jerry York always tells me, hey, I'm not going to get bitter, I'm going to get better. I'm going to allow those things to shape me. And it's our hope and my hope that as we walk through the difficult things of this life, that God the Father might look down through the midst of our trials and that he might see his reflection in us. You know, I think about a diamond and we look and we're so excited and when a lady gets a diamond for an engagement ring or or some of you that may have that on and you see the beauty of that you see the, the picture of that I think of some Christians that have walked through this life and you look at them and there's just this grace and this beauty and the way that they uh, engage in the just the, the the grace that they show in the midst of this life and you know what I, I just like the diamond it goes through this intense pressure and this intense um just incredible pressure in order to be formed. And without that, this diamond would have never been made. And as Christians walk through this life and deal with difficult things, I believe God is making something beautiful that also becomes beautiful to this world. And the reflection of the light of Christ out their life, I mean, it glistens and it shines and it declares something beautiful. And if you're really honest, I look at my life and it's through the trials that God has done the most work in me. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the trials, right? I, I don't want to, I want to lie and just say, you know what? I'm, I'm excited about them. I mean, that's not the point of this message. Is you know, he says consider it joy, but the trials of our faith. You know, James talked to us about that. But I want you to know that there's a day coming that's yet to be revealed where God is going to give 
Jesus followers. I love that verse in Colossians where he says, when he is revealed, we too will be revealed with him in glory. And I can't even hardly imagine that. I can't even hardly imagine that. I know what I deserve, right? We started out the series looking at Peter and the failure that he was. And I shared my heart just in my own life of how God had had really worked in, in my life and in and how even when I was being called to preach, I'd say, you know what, God, how in the world could you use me? How in the world could you choose me to do this? You know who I am. And when I think about that day, that salvation that's to be revealed, that one day, man, because of the work of the cross, God the Father is going to treat me like Jesus deserves to be treated. And it happened because he treated Jesus like I deserved to be treated. Man, and that's heavy. And that says, you know what? The sufferings of this present present life, that they're not worthy to be compared to the glory that awaits us. And I, man, because of that, we don't lose heart. Man, that last day, God is going to make us perfect in Christ. And until that day... And we're going to love him, and we're going to walk in his grace, and we're going to walk through the trials. And we're going to live in a way that says, you know what, even though these things may be coming at us, there's a work that's happening that is greater. Verse 8, he says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And what a declaration, God, we love you. Because of your grace, because of your mercy, because you have saw fit to give us living hope. And he says, though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice. And he ends and says, you know, you're walking through tough times. There's lots of trials. There's lots of trials, but they're limited for a season. We're long-suffering with joy. And he says, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Have you ever been in those moments where you just rejoice in such a way that you can't even put words to it? It's almost like the end of that childbirth thing where you, you remember when the, maybe if you're the guy, we've been talking about guys today and dads, so we, we just get to kind of be there and all of a sudden that little child comes up and puts their finger around your, or puts their hand around your little finger and you recognize this incredible responsibility that God's given you, this incredible gift. You recognize just all these things at once and there's just not really words to describe that kind of moment. I've seen kids get a gift, and I love videoing kids as they open presents, and if there's something that they've really just been expectant for, that they tear that open, and they really don't expect it to be in the box. Maybe you've made a box that doesn't even look like it or whatever, and all of a sudden they open that box, and they get that thing that they've been longing for, and they really can't even talk, right? It's just this incredible, you've seen it like their eye, they're just like, ah. they don't even know what to say in those moments. And that's the kind of rejoicing. It's this joy that is inexpressible. Verse 9, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, our living hope through lots of trials gives us a lasting inheritance that's given to us by a loving Father. And I want to encourage every one of you, if you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, know who you are in him. Don't leave this world without longing and digging into the word of God and saying, Lord, I want to know who you are 
And because of who you are, I can know who I am in you. You know, how tragic it was that there were millionaires that were dying homeless because they didn't know who they really were. Know who you are in him, a son, joint heirs with Jesus, born again into a living hope through the resurrection, kept by the power of God to a salvation that will be revealed. I just want to read all those verses together. We're going to close, but Scripture says this. I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered through Pontus, Galatius, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours to the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Man, this is good news. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this church, you greatly Rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which perishes, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And that's good news this morning. Whatever we walk through in this life, man, it's going to be worth it all. I don't know where you're at this morning. If you've maybe been a believer your whole life and never recognized who you are in Christ, I pray that and that you would have a heart to dig into his word and just recognize the blessings and the, the grace that's been extended. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus. It's by faith. It's through his, his grace and his mercy. Not anything we could do. Scripture says that it's by grace through faith that we've been saved. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And we're so thankful for the Faith that he's given us. We're so thankful for his grace and his mercy. And we respond in faith, in surrender. Scripture says when we do, that there's something supernatural, something that takes place that's bigger than anything we could ever imagine. And we are gifted, the Spirit of God, who causes us to be born again into a living hope. We have a living hope from a loving Father, and our responsibility and our, our, our response is simply to surrender our lives to him and just to believe by faith, trusting in Jesus for salvation. I'm so thankful for the hope that we have in Christ. And If you've never trusted him, it's my hope that you will call on his name today, that you would surrender your very life, that you would uh, just kneel in, in, in surrender and repentance and say, Lord, everything I have is yours. How do you? God, you know who I am, God, and you know 
God, that I bring nothing to the table, that there's nothing good in me. Lord, I believe by faith in the finished work of the cross that, Lord, that God the Father treated Jesus like I deserve to be treated. And because of that, if I believe by faith, he's going to treat me like Jesus deserves to be treated. What a gospel. What a Savior. What a Father. Let's pray together. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Lord, if, if there's any here that have never trusted you for salvation, Father, we pray, God, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you would stir in their hearts, God, that you would convict them of sin, God, that you would, Lord, allow them to see their need. God, we pray that you might open their eyes, Lord, and open their hearts to the gospel, Lord, that, God, that they might understand the condition that they're in, Lord, the, the brokenness and the need of a Savior, that there's nothing that they could do to be good enough to earn salvation, that there's nothing that they could be, uh, they could do to be good enough to earn uh, this inheritance and this gift and this joy. But Lord, that it is given by grace through faith, through Jesus Christ, through the work of the cross. And God, we pray, Lord, that they might confess and believe. Lord, even this morning, Lord, that they might place their faith in you. Lord, that they would allow someone to know, Lord, that they would be willing to, to take next steps of obedience, Lord, and in walking with you, Lord. And I pray, God, for every one of us here this morning. God, those that are watching online, Lord, those that are joining us in that way, from, from those in the lot, Lord, wherever we're at, God, I pray that you would help us to take our next step. And, Lord, our next step is always in faith. It's always in a place that we may not fully be able to see. But Lord, if, if there are discouraged folks among us this morning, God, I pray, Lord, that we could be reminded of who we are, Lord, and we could take a step, Lord, in your direction, God, that we could continue to, to just pursue that relationship with you through time in your word, Lord, through time on our knees, Lord, and through time with your people. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this living hope, Lord, a living hope that overcomes lots of trials, Lord, but gives us a, a lasting inheritance that cannot be taken away. Father, we thank you for this assembly of believers, Lord, we pray for Every person here, God, that you would work in their lives, Lord, for every person listening online, Lord, we pray, God, that you would meet them exactly where they're at, and Lord, that you would, Lord, give them strength for every step. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us, and we ask this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.